The Free For All Roundtable. Round two. On round two, Sanira Chaudhry is here, employment lawyer at Work hey, Joe, Law. I can't hear John. Oh, we'll, we'll make an adjustment there. Still some growing pains after two and a half years of this. Robert Benzie is here, Queen's Park Bureau Chief. You can hear me now? I can hear you, John. <laughs> and Richard Krause is live in studio, so I'm really hoping you can hear me. I, I can't hear you, John. <laughs> okay. Sorry, John, I can't hear you. <laughs> well, you know, there's a lot of, uh, if you're making Venn diagrams, there's a lot of overlap in our themes this morning of what we're talking about. And as we talk about violence in uh, the subway system and violence in our city, you just experienced some of that, Richard. You were on your way in through Union Station? I, well, I am frozen solid because I ended up having to walk most of the way here. I left at 5 to 8. Uh, to take my about 12 to 15 minute subway ride down here. Got to the subway and it's closed from Bloor until uh, Union because of, we're just told a security incident. We're not told what. Uh, And so we wait for a little while. Security incident is cleared. 14,000 people cram onto the first subway. It goes. I wait for the next one to come. Get down to King Street. Oh, wait, there's another security incident. Now it's closed from Union to Osgood. I get off. I take the streetcar on King to try and get a little closer to here. Yeah, and then it diverts down to Wellington and no one seems to be able to tell you uh, where and when it's going to stop. It was just kind of a mess. And people on the subway, because uh, I don't normally take it at this hour of the morning, at this this early hour, uh, people were edgy. People were edgy. They We weren't being told again. We were just told a security incident. And I mean, I don't know how much information you actually have to give people, but people were like, is it a bomb? Is it a fight? Is it someone asleep and they're like, what exactly is going on? And it just says to me that people are edgy and they don't know what's happening in their own city or their own transit system. Well, and Robert Benzie, this happens on the very day, perhaps even overlapping at the same time, that Melissa Lanceman, federal conservative MP, is on with us talking about how they need an emergency debate on violence. Yeah, I mean, there's clearly a lot of challenges uh, for the TTC. Um, in this post-pandemic kind of age, it's it's you know people are going back to work back in the office, as Richard says, and it's it's busier. And then you have this spate of of violence and violent incidents, very troubling. And you know, John, there's 75 uh, uh, subway stations, and I, it it still baffles me that they can't have at least one constable uh, in every single one of those. They have lots of people who work in security at the TTC. I'm not really sure what they're doing. But if you could just maybe there would be less violence if there was a security presence at subway stations. You know what I mean? Okay, but then, you know, we get into trouble on buses and on streetcars in the station itself, sometimes on the subway. Well, And the stations have more than one entrance and exit, which aren't necessarily close to one another. So that's an issue. as Well, Sunira Chaudhry, do you agree with the column we sent to everybody this morning by Adrian Humphreys that Toronto is turning into Gotham City, in which case I guess it's time for the bat signal? Well, you know, John, um, I I live in, you know, right in the core of downtown and I and I don't I don't feel that way. I go to Bursey Park on the weekends, go to Harborfront. Um, I, I really enjoy all the urban parks. So I don't feel like that. I, I I have a young son. I feel safe in the city, but I think but I don't I, I will say that I haven't taken the TTC in a long time. And I think when you go to the TTC stories and every single week, you don't see a story of, you know, somebody necessarily just getting a bit roughed up. You're seeing horrific stories of real crime. And uh, it's no surprise to me that the TTC is 
saying we're, we're going to hire on an emergency basis sort of 50 guards to supplement um you know so, some of the issues that we're seeing but a big question is it, there there are 50 special constable positions i think they're hiring for 25 but there are 25 available positions that aren't filled and it goes back to why is the ttc taking so long to do the training to fill these positions and is it because it has become you know such a difficult position to hire for because of the level of violence we've gotten to it seems like it's a bit of a vicious cycle interesting that you said Sanira, that you go to the waterfront because yesterday it was coyotes so you know the city's <laughs> Just, the fun never stops. Maybe it is Gotham City. Maybe it is. Okay. Well, Robert Benzi, just to continue this conversation a tiny bit, I think one of the big questions for these 50 new guards, and that's the announcement we got this morning, uh, would be what are the rules of engagement? Because I think most people have probably mm -hmm. seen footage of a guard engaging somebody who appears to be asleep sprawled out over a, one of those two-seat chairs in a subway. And there was all kinds of criticism, like, why can't they just leave that guy alone? Yeah, I mean, this is and this is the in the age of everyone having a camera on them at all times. I think the, the, some some police and security people are going to be skittish about getting involved in situations that could be, uh, you know, <clears throat> miscast on a in a viral video or uh, or, you know, and it's sort of the old um, uh, adage about they, they, they sort of they see something, but they don't want to they don't want to do anything about it. I know you, I I. I I, I don't want these guys to come on and and, and men and women to be guarding the t on the TTC hassling people. They should be there making us all feel safe and making sure that it is a safe and comfortable um, uh, transit system to ride. They're not there to hassle some guy who's sleeping across two uh, chair two seats. That doesn't sound They're not, like because in, in New York City they used to come yeah. after you if you put your feet on yeah. another chair. Yeah. Yeah, they don't do that anymore. They have other things to worry about, I think, there. But I'll tell you, I don't think uh, that 50 extra security people will do a, a lick of good. It might make us feel better uh, as we talk about it on the radio and think, oh, there's going to be uh, some more people here uh, to help keep us safe. But you just said there's 75 subway stops. There's only 50 people. The subway stops are huge. There's trains coming and going all the time. And I was in New York in April when 10 people were shot on uh, the in Brooklyn. Brooklyn, on the subway in Brooklyn, and the NYPD flooded the uh, subway with a thousand police officers for the next, I was there for about a week and a half after that, and the very next day, a fight broke out on the subway. People do not care that there's a security guard. If you're going to start a fight, it's going to be a fight. They, I don't think that this will make one lick of difference, and I hate to be pessimistic about it, because I got assaulted on the on the TTC a few months ago. I hate to be pessimistic about it, but I don't think it's going to make a lick of difference. I wonder if their working orders are that they have to wait if two people are fighting until they both fall down on the ice. <laughs> okay. Um, we This morning, and Benzie, I'll start with you on this one, because you're the political guy, but also also, because I know you were listening, because we were trading messages, uh, we were talking with Mike Schreiner, who yesterday confirmed that he's thinking maybe he will run for the liberal leadership. Now, I think there's probably a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, because I don't think you give up the party leadership of a party you've been working with since, what, 2009, in order to go risk all and run for the leadership of a party where an awful lot of people are going to hate you. Exactly, John. And good for you for getting the first interview with Mr. Schreiner, who's been ducking interviews. He issued a statement yesterday, um, and I'm not sure it was wise of him to do the interview because I think he sounded 
like a politician. And I think one of the things that, that, that Mike Schreiner has been able to, to do very well at Queen's Park is to seem above partisan politics and, and be about issues and, and principles. And when you're negotiating or, or thinking or ruminating about leaving one party to join another party, that's, that's much more of a sort of expedient, politically expedient type of thing to do, a, a sort of cynical thing to do. I'm not saying that he shouldn't do it. I'm not saying that he should do it. I'm just saying that the optics of what he is considering may not be great for him or the Green Party or the Liberal Party. So it's one of these situations where if he had, I thought when he was coming on, uh, when yesterday he was supposed to come on your show and he, and he declined, I thought he should have come on if he was going to say, look, I'm I'm flattered, but I'm a gre- I'm the green leader. He didn't say that. He said he's thinking about leaving. And that's very, very troubling. And uh, if, if you're a green supporter and maybe if you're a liberal supporter, I talked to a lot of liberals yesterday, yeah. John, who are not happy about this. Well, Sonera, I agree with uh, Robert. I'm surprised that he agreed to do the appearance this morning. I guess it's maybe because I'm known as the nice guy. Um, but there's jeopardy even in saying he's thinking about it. Yeah, I think he's spending some of his, you know, political capital here and definitely some social capital. I mean, I know uh, just anecdotally a lot of people who go to the ballot box and if they don't know who they're vote, voting for, they cast a, par- a vote for the Green Party, you know, saying, well, we know that they're at least trying to do some good. And of course, Mike Schreiner's been at the helm of that uh, of that party for a long time. And I think, you know, He's also, um, I think, a small business advocate. I think there are a lot of good uh, pieces to his story. He's very popular in Guelph. And so I think saying that he's thinking about it, I I, I doubt he would r- sort of sit on the fence for too long because, of course, I, I think the rumors around it are going to be trouble- troubling for him. He's got to probably stand firmly in one camp or the other. Uh, Richard? Oops. Button. Happy you got the interview, but if I was him, I'd just keep my mouth shut right now because I do. I think he just spent a bunch of political capital here by appearing to be someone who with one foot out of uh, the camp that he's in and possibly tiptoeing into the other, and I don't think that's a good look. This happens in the world of entertainment and sport quite frequently. Somebody does incredible work and is well-loved for that work, but in their private life is a pretty awful individual. I tried to look up who Sam Fells is because he wrote a column, Good Riddance, Bobby Hull, and it opens with Bobby Hull was a terrible person. I mean, this is pretty that, that is That is pretty blunt. And Bobby Hull is a hockey legend, uh, someone who was one of the highest paid hockey players uh, at the first beginning. First guy to get a million first dollars. First guy to get a million bucks. Uh, but he uh, had a, an extremely troubled uh, personal life. And there's an article that um, I get, I get a sports uh, newsletter every day, believe it or not, from a guy called Gare Joyce, and he's written a fascinating column today about Bobby Hull and the contradictions of this guy being, uh, on one hand, a public hero and then kind of a a terrible person uh, in his private life. Didn't go to his uh, sister, the sister that taught him how to skate and took him to, uh, you know, the the pond so he could learn how to play hockey. Didn't bother to go to his funeral because he was, you know, with a flight attendant in a bar somewhere and he just didn't bother. And so there's lots of stories like that floating around here. I don't know, maybe it's the Pollyanna in me, but I choose to remember the good stuff, but it has to be tempered with the bad. Well, Robert Benzie, almost no time on the clock, but I think uh, Mr. Fellows goes a little far in saying Hull was an unremorseful puke stain of a human being. <laughs> yeah, it's, wow. I mean, it's a lot of speaking, speaking, you know, you're not supposed to speak ill of the dead. Um, but I mean, there are, yeah, Hull had a very complicated legacy. I actually met him once and had 
drinks with him. And he was a very charming guy in on, on a personal level, hail fellow, well met. Um, and, but, but then, you know, the, the backstory, or I learned later the backstory from actually Christy Blatchford was the one who told me what he was really like, um, and, uh, about his, you know, abuse allegations from his, his wives and, and his one of his daughter, uh, didn't speak very highly of him. Uh, it's, it's, it's a, yeah, people are complicated. I mean, Richard's right that the on ice stuff, stuff, he was a thrilling guy to watch on, 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 and it's before my time of watching hockey, but he was a thrilling player, but it's the off ice stuff. It's it's very complicated and troubling guys. Thank you all very much. Catch the round table round one at seven 45 round two at eight 45 weekday mornings on more in the morning. News talk, 10, 10 Toronto.